Are you not sure if the child is yours? Are you pregnant and unsure if the child is his? Assurance DNA is here to help you find the answers to your questions. Assurance DNA is a paternity testing service with access to over 5,000 testing locations across the country. They provide legal paternity testing and home paternity test kits. Can't leave the house? Assurance DNA has a network of mobile collectors that can come to you. Assurance DNA has partnered with DNA Diagnostics Center, a trusted source for DNA testing since 1995. At Assurance DNA, you're not just a number, you're family. When you call, you'll speak to a paternity testing expert who will guide you through the entire process. Order a home paternity test kit today and get 10% off, yes, 10% off by using the special code MISGUIDED at checkout. Everyone's situation is unique, so visit AssuranceDNA.com to schedule a free consultation or give them a call now at 877-362-6450. Assurance DNA, confidence in knowing. Why the world make me feel misguided? I can't hide it, I'ma shake the globe, change it. Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents, I'ma shake the globe till they feel it. Why the world make me feel misguided? I can't hide it, I'ma shake the globe, change it. Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents, I'ma shake the globe till they feel it. What's up everybody, this is the Misguided Podcast, we intend to guide you to a better future. The purpose of this podcast is to do exactly that. We will dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and highlight what makes them successful, but also pinpoint mistakes they've made and how to improve them. Our goal is to make you start thinking about building generational wealth through business. I hope you enjoy, and if you do, please rate this podcast and leave a review. And now, let's get started. What's up, everybody? My name is Juwan Rohan, and this is the Misguided Podcast, where we intend to guide you to a better future. I'm sitting here with Andre Norman, um, went from prisoner to professor um, at Harvard, and I'm excited that you came to join, man. How's your day going? Oh, my day's going wonderful, man. I just came off an eight-day road trip, so... Where at? Hmm? Where at? I went to Hampton, Virginia. went to Virginia Beach, Virginia. I went to Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Park City, Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah, Phoenix, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Speaking engagements? Speaking, some um, intervention. I had um, one client that needed uh, intervention, mm. businessman who was trying to get his life together. He was struggling. Um, went to Genius Network. I actually working with Genius Network, the number one mastermind group in the world for the last three years. Okay. I did two days at Genius. And um, Hampton, Virginia, I did a prison jail tour. So I went in and helped them with some jail stuff, did some staff training, did some inmate um, negotiations, and just did some community work. Okay, so, cool, man. Busy. You, and you negotiated a couple contracts along the way. You you got some time to rest before your next little little trip, or no? I got a three. I, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm off up until um, to do. I go back to Genius on the 15th of April. Oh, okay. My calendar's on the wall. That's what I'm looking. <laughs> you you got some time. You got some time. Cool, cool. Uh, well, man. Hey, like I said, appreciate you coming up here. Um, let's go ahead and let the audience know why I'm interviewing you today. So, uh, who are you and where are you from? Let's get into your story. Andre Norman, Boston, Massachusetts. The reason you're probably interviewing me 
is because I went from maximum security prison with a hundred year sentence to teaching at Harvard, to teaching at London Business School, to working at the White House, to being one of the top prison success stories on the planet, to working in 30 different countries, to working in from major league sports or professional sports to corporations, to social justice movements. Um, I mean, I've done a few things since I've been home. <laughs> yeah, man, for real, for real. Well, let's go ahead and educate the audience on the mistakes you made along the way and, and, and how you learned from them. I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to guide people. So yeah, let, well, let's go ahead. The biggest mistake that I've made, and I'll take the weight because I'm grown now. My father taught me to be a quitter. Mm. He quit on our family. And in turn, he taught me to quit. And my brothers took that lesson differently. So it's how you choose to interpret it. I interpreted what he did as it's okay to quit. And that permeated my life for the next 16 years where every good thing in my life that came about, I quit on. When I quit on everything positive, it only left me negatives, which left me in the street, which put me in prison. When I got to prison, I just got worse because I was able to double down on the mindset of, I can be a bad person. He doesn't love me because I'm a bad person. So I'm gonna be the most bad person I can be. And I had that whole knack of trying to prove him right that I wasn't worth loving, prove him right that I can quit, prove, I was just like my whole life was dedicated in a sense to trying to prove something in a bad way to someone I didn't even get along with. Yeah, can you go into detail on where you got the idea that um, he thought it was okay to, to, give, to quit? You know, where, like, how did that was, form? Yeah. When I was in first grade, thereabouts, my father, I came home from school one day and they said, dad's gone. I said, what do you mean? And he just, him and my mother was always fighting or him beating her up. And whatever they were going through, I was a little kid at the time. So you don't remember seven, eight, nine, you're yeah, little. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just came home one day and they said, he's gone. And my whole life, he was there. Good, bad, or indifferent, he was in the house. So to come home one day and he'd just be gone, and nobody sat me down and explained it to me, shared it to me, nothing. He was just gone. And I didn't know how to process that. So my understanding of that was, my takeaway was, he quit. Because mm. I'm, I'm, I don't have like deep philosophical concepts at nine. Yeah. Are you uh, oldest sibling, youngest sibling? You said your siblings looked I at him differently. My mother had six kids. I'm number five. Your number five. How'd your other siblings take that, that uh, him leaving? I mean, I, I don't know. I never really had a conversation with them. Mm, um, that's interesting. I never sat down and said, hey, how did it impact you? I mean, me, my brothers and sisters, I mean, we've all had tough lives, you can call it. Yeah. Um, so everybody interpreted and ingested it their own way and manifested it his own way. So I don't know what part of him leaving impacted them and how. It had to be an impact just because it's life. But I've never, we've never sat down as a family, did family therapy and say, yo, how did this situation, even watch my mom be beat? How yeah. did that impact you? So my brother went one direction with it. I went the opposite direction. You know, so all three of us went in different directions on that experience. And because we see the same thing at the same time, doesn't mean we have the same thoughts. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Most definitely. Okay. Okay. So let's go ahead and, and, and get in. So, so at a, at a young age, you were like, okay, my father quit. How did that af affect your growing up, your development with middle school? Are you just like, how's your attitude? Like, you know what I mean? My, my attitude is this. 
I had three basic rules I live by. One, I could hit people. Because if my mother can be hit, anybody can be hit. Mm-hmm. Two, I protect myself. Because when I was coming home from school as a little kid, they threw rocks and names at us and called us niggas on the buses mm. in Boston. And nobody came. And three, I can quit and turn my back anytime I want. That's how I saw life. That was my fundamental understanding of life. And everything that came into my sphere or into my space was processed through those three things. Can I hit you? Do I need to dominate you? And do I need to walk away from you? That's how I saw everything. Whether it was a sporting event, it was a after school program, it was going to church, it was going to band practice. That was my thinking. Like I said, okay, like now I wake up. People say, hey, I got I gag myself on one premise. Is it legal or illegal? So when you say, hey, Dre, do my podcast, I ask myself, if this goes wrong, do I go back to jail? Yeah. I said, no. So I can do it. If you say, hey, Dre, man, I'm going to go grab his weed. We're going to take. Now I ask myself, if this goes wrong, do I go back to jail? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Bro, I passed. So I have that everything that comes into my space. The first question I ask myself, if this goes bad, does Andre go back to jail? Not your cousins, the security guard, your mom owns the building, the insurance company's in on it. No. The question I ask myself, if this goes bad, does Andre go to jail? And yeah. that's my deciding lens. That's my first, you don't even get to step two <laughs> if it's not legal. Yeah, yeah. And when I was a kid, everything was, should I hit you? <laughs> do I dominate you or do I walk away? Yeah. That's just how I saw life. Everything. So and I look for opportunities to hit people. <laughs> so growing up with that with that attitude, looking for opportunities like that, you're, you're bound to get in some trouble. So obviously, gang gang activity. So how did you find yourself in that in that realm? See, in the '80s we didn't have gangs. See, in the '80s we didn't have internet. So yeah. gangs was the Chicago and the LA thing, primarily. Mm-hmm. On the East Coast we had crews and neighborhoods. So we didn't see Crips and Bloods in the 80s. They okay. didn't come out until Dr. Dranham came out with NWA. And I was already in prison for like seven years. Mm. So in the 80s, we didn't know California existed. What? Oh, you, know California, you don't know. If you're on the East Coast, it's like me asking now, what do you know about Russia? Nothing. You don't look up Russia. You don't know nothing about You just know there's some white people and they talk for you. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's what we knew about California and Chicago and other major cities that weren't on the East Coast. There was just some people, some place, the name is, we knew the name, LA. Yeah. That's it. So you didn't understand the distinction between, um, we're saying Oakland and LA and San Fran. We just knew California. Yep. There was no internet to, to teach us, there was no encyclopedia to teach us. So it was just not in your space. So in our neighborhoods, we grew up with the kids you grew up with. Mm-hmm. So we weren't gangs in the sense of brand names. We were committing crimes. We was doing them together. Just, just we, as a group? Yeah. It's just we a, started okay. out playing flag football. They played tackle football and basketball and stealing from the store. The next, you know, we selling weed. It yep. just grew. Yep. The guys I grew up playing with, most of which I grew up doing hustling with. Mm. Are you, you still in contact with any of those people? My big homie just left 10 minutes ago. <laughs> hey man <laughs> you know they loyal <laughs> Them listen you did 29 years in the penitentiary man you say that's my homeboy OG raised me in the game all that yeah. so I, I don't come from this world of you turn your back on people you unknow people 
Now I can't do everything with everybody. So even with the big homie, my question is if this goes bad, is it legal? Like, yeah, yeah, I know. If homie coming to visit me. If that goes bad, do I go to jail? No. Facts. Come on over. Yeah. <laughs> Come on over. Let's barbecue. <laughs> Let's go. We do the barbecue at his house. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, cool. So you're growing up and shit's just going on. You start stealing, you start doing criminal activity. Um, how many times did you get to prison until you were actually there for um, the amount of years, I think 14 years, you said? Yeah, juvenile stuff, you go in and out, you get arrested, let you go, they call your mom to come get you. Yep. I hit adult, I got arrested like once or twice, bailed out. I kept bailing out, my cases kept stacking up. Mm. And finally, mm. I only got one sentence. I mean, the sense of, I only got sentenced to state prison once. It was a oh. bunch of them. They gave yeah. me seven to 10, two nine to 10s, two 10s, two 15 to 20s and a five. It was all at one time though. It wasn't like I went home, came back after two years. It was all right then and there. It was like, bang, bang. The judge was just reading them all. Yeah, he, he was tired. He was tired. <laughs> the lady who was typing got tired. <laughs> Facts. So no, I didn't do two years, come home, do two years. I went in one time. One and time. I went in and I got inside. I decided I'm going to do what prisoners do. And I'm going to partake in the prison culture. And I hustled inside and you get money and you fight and you do what you do. Can I hit somebody in jail all day? Can you dominate yeah. people in jail all day? And that's what you do. Can I quit on my own self? Can I not yeah. be the best me all day? So I was fighting, I was dominating, and I was quitting to the extreme. Okay, so what what was the turning point for you? You're in jail, you're doing this shit, you're top dog, fucking, you, you're, you know, you're making money in there, whatever, beating people up. What was the turning point? Turning point was my goal was to be the number one guy in the system. I wanted to be past my OG. And I had that, I had that chance to do it. And when I got there, I saw for what it was. He was the king of nowhere. And what do and you mean by I that? Found, huh? What do you mean by that? King of nowhere? Like, how, like okay, I, I know what you mean, but like. What I mean is I created this mythical thing about being in prison. Like this was like a cool place to be. Yep. This was the shit. We're doing it. We're the greatest the greatest team ever and then you look up and you say hold up yeah if you're really the boss what you call yourself you call yourself a boss you call yourself a shot caller you call yourself feared and respected i never said that. i said well dre do for yourself the one thing you want really done go home open the gate ask any shot caller any boss in the penitentiary if you're really the boss let yourself out <laughs> That's and then crazy. you're going to really have come to the grips where you're not really the boss. Yeah. You're just managing a space. Mm. Mm. So at that point, you, you realized that you wanted to, to be the boss and, and. No, no, I, I, I did want to be the boss. No. Because. The boss okay. Was... Then what would you want to be though? What'd you want to be? Was well, it like. The first six and a half years in mm -hmm. when I realized that the whole thing was kind of like make believe. <laughs> You yeah. saying? And I said, I want to be free. It was the first time I ever thought about going. I was six and a half years inside. And I never thought about going home. That's I was crazy. committed to, to living this life. That's crazy. And I said, I want to go home. Then I looked around. I'm a logical person. I looked at the whites, the blacks, the Spanish, the guys who worked in the kitchen, the guys who worked in the gym, the gay guys, the snitches, the church people, the Muslims. I looked at everybody. Yeah. Everybody went home. Everybody came back. Not one group did well when they went home. They got free and they all came back. So I said, free doesn't work. I have scientific facts that free doesn't work because 70% of people who get free come back. 
Damn. So I don't want free. Yeah. Free's a trick. So I said, well, who doesn't come to jail? I said, successful people. I said, I'll go be successful, and that solves my problem. Yeah. That's why I said, I'll go to Harvard and get a degree, and I'll be successful, and I'll never come here again. Why Harvard, though? Why that school? Is it just because it's the prestige school? It's not the best school education-wise. Why Harvard? Why are you hating? I'm not hating. I just... Come on, you got Colorado on your wall. Y'all ain't got... Y'all don't have a brand name school in the state of Colorado. For starters, you don't have a brand... You don't have a tier one school in the state. But you look at all these colleges that are so-called prestige, yet they, what education are they teaching that's different than the normal school? They're just charging higher, their grass looks greener, and it just looks better. And that's, that's- uh, no, That's what someone who doesn't go says. Nah, nah that, that is not my opinion, that is, that's facts. That's like saying the Grand Canyon looks the same on a postcard. Why go? Well, <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you don't understand the Grand Canyon. But if you've been to the Grand Canyon, you understand the vastness of it. Yeah. If you've never been, it's real easy to say it's just a hole in the ground. But when you go to the Grand Canyon, you will marvel at history and how the world and the formation of it. You have to physically go to the Grand Canyon to appreciate it. Otherwise, it's just some tourist attraction. So are you, are you, you think this is the same for uh, public schools and private schools? Yeah, there's a differential. So it's not this, it, it might be the same books. At Harvard, you get a book. At Colorado, you get a book. At Colorado, the book is by James Smith. At Harvard, it's by James Smith. The difference is at Harvard, James Smith is teaching a class. Mm. And you got somebody who studied James Smith teaching your class. That's the differential. Okay, true. True. Okay, so I can you, see that. So it's just they they and it's a mindset. At Colorado and other tier three and tier two schools, they teach you to work for tier one schools. That's mm-hmm. what they teach you. They prepare you to go work for somebody that they sent to an elite school. Because the guy at the elite school is being taught how to take over the world. You're taught how to be a middle manager. It's not to say that nobody's coming out of these schools don't become elite, but if you go look at the people who've run this country, let's just do a fact. You got to Google, pull it up. How many presidents of the United States have gone to Colorado? How many presidents of the United States have gone to Harvard? No, but see, that that goes all back to my point of it's just on paper, it looks really fucking good. Harvard is the, like, it looks good, but but <laughs> compare education-wise, it's the same shit. No, it's not. Besides, so why, besides so why your no president coming out of Colorado State, because uh, probably because uh, it don't look good on paper. So when you apply for president, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know, I don't know how you become president. Do you apply? Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I just feel like you feel like now you're in emotions. I'm not doing emotions. You just talk about facts. All right, all right. Well, you've had eight presidents out of forty-two attend Harvard University. Okay. Over. It's over. It's, 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 it's not just education. It's networking. Yeah. It's access. You're in the room. I believe they, access is huge, but I also believe it's from the money f- coming from the outside because of how people look at the school. They see Harvard. They want to donate. It's based on emotion. <laughs> all right. All right. All I right. think the Grand Canyon is a big hole in the ground. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never even been, and it's like only four hours away from me. That's crazy. Go to the Grand, listen, go to the Grand Canyon, and I assure you, it's nothing like you thought it would be. No, there's no Why? comparison. You have to stand there and see the vastness and the greatness of it to appreciate it. Mm. Like I was in Utah last week, this week, and I'm standing in Park City. They'd be, they'd be standing in Park City surrounded by snow-capped mountains on like a crystal clear day. I'm like, this place is beautiful. Yeah. I grew up in cement. I grew up in the hood. I grew up in stealing, stealing rocks. So to be standing in a city where you're surrounded by snow-capped mountains and ski lodges and just and mountain lions and like, I'm like, this is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I would love for my son to spend time here just aesthetically, it's gonna touch his heart. Yeah. I grew up looking at cement buildings all day. Yeah. And I see these kids going up out here in Salt Lake and Park City, the visuals, the aesthetics have to touch you in a different way than growing up in a cement, cement neighborhood. Or you grew yeah. up in a rural area, some old dirt farm. And all you saw was pigs all day and grasshoppers. Yeah. It's about experience. Growing up in Park City will have an emotional effect on you because it's like it's different. The environment, the environment will before you shape it. Very true. Experience. So Harvard is an environment. So why did I pick Harvard was the question. I'm from Boston. When I was a kid, I used to ride my skateboard in Harvard Square. So it was the only school I knew the name of. It's, uh, okay. All right. Well, I was gonna say that goes back to my point, but say okay, okay. It was the only school I knew the name of. So you was just, okay, so it stuck with you. And you okay, that, that no, makes no. sense. If somebody said to me, Dre, you need to go to college. Cool. How many Harvard. colleges do you know? Harvard. I'm from Boston. I used to ride my skateboard there. Yeah. It's literally the only school I knew the name of. You go to, you go to West Africa. You go down to Argentina and ask them the name of a basketball player. Guess what you're going to hear nine out of ten times? Michael Jordan. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yep, okay. That's what this all they've been exposed to. So then he played in 20 years. <laughs> True. My question would be then, if that was the only school you knew, did you know how good the education was there? No. No, you just was like that. I know that one. I'm gonna go there. Fuck it. That's it. That's as simple as that. Damn, that such a simple decision literally changed your whole life. Like just the decision just that to school. The decision. The decision was to become educated. Free. The school was secondary. Yeah. Yeah. So. I Colorado and had the same amount of success. Yep. I just need to be educated. The difference between me today and me at 22 is I'm educated. I could have went to Colorado and been exposed to great minds and great people and learn how to develop. I'm saying, and I'm not saying things don't happen there. For me, it happened at Harvard, and Harvard just happens to be the number one school on the planet. I'm saying that's just what it is. Yeah. I'm saying people, you can hate on LeBron all you want. He's the number one guy on the planet right now. Yeah. That's it. And a lot of a lot of people, I got friends who are like, I fucking hate LeBron, including me, but he's the number one person in, or uh, NBA player in the planet. So based on emotions, yeah. not based on facts. Yeah, exactly. So um, nah, that, that's I, I, that's crazy, man. I just can't believe you're like, oh, I'm gonna go to Harvard and then boom. So all right, you you're you're I, in jail. I have the same attitude now. I'm gonna go get this contract. I just go. You know, I'm gonna go know. visit this country. I just go. You know what I'm saying when I used to date. This is my dating process back in the days. I might be in the airport. I might be someplace. I'll see somebody I thought was attractive. I'm like, well, I go home like, yo, what's your name? Pam, where you from? I'm from Honduras. I fly to Honduras. I was in the Bahamas one day. 
this is true story. I'm in the Bahamas and I'm chilling. I go to a club with my friends and like the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my life walked up to me. I was like, this in my life. Yeah. She's standing there. I started talking to her and she spoke Spanish. I'm like, where are you from? She said, I'm from Colombia. I know they have black Colombians. Yeah. They have black Colombians for the record. That's why. I mean, Colombians, our, our complexion, hands down. She said, I'm Colombian. Eight days later, I was in Bogota. <laughs> you were like, I'm gone. <laughs> she was like, that's all you, she wanted to give you, no, I don't need your number. I don't need, <laughs> we're just going to see everyone. <laughs> on a plane. That's wild. Been to Sweden. Ooh. Oh yeah, I, I've I've heard great things about Sweden. Yeah, I wanted to go back test. back when I was single. Back when I was single. <laughs> um, but no, I yeah. Mean, I it's just like, why not go? Fuck it. What limits do I have? The limits I set. Mm. Mm. It, yeah, like I was gonna say, experience is the best education. So you're you're kind of fuck it. I'm gonna just do it go attitude goes hand in hand with that. Cause sometimes you need to just do it. You don't need to think about it too much. You feel me? When you start thinking about it too much, you start making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's an experience. Win, lose, or draw. Like people fall in holes all the time and you fall in a hole, you climb out, you keep going, you fall in a hole, you climb out, you keep going. So some people will teach you how not to fall into that hole. Well, what they should be teaching you is get that guy to teach you how he climbed I, out. I was just, yeah, I love that, man. You can fall in, but you need to learn how to climb out. Yeah. So skipping all the holes for somebody, but never learning how to climb out is a problem. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Damn. You, you Why are you always dropping all these quotes, man? You did that on Black Wealth Renaissance. It's just like, it's quotes, man. I can hang these all up on my wall. Motivation every day, man. Well, mo- yo. My motivation is nature. Nature has never lied to me. My parents have lied. My neighbors have lied. My best friends have lied. People, people lie. It seems like you don't make decisions off of emotion. It seems like, like, do you know what I mean? It seems like you're, you're just, just, I don't know. There's like, I believe in nature. Nature doesn't lie. If you watch nature, it works. You take man out of the way. Nature works perfectly. Yeah. Except when man gets in the way. So Very I true. study the system that's as close to perfection as you can get. Very true. Yeah. So that's what I study as far as inter- relationships, strategies, strongholds. I'm saying when to be tough, when not to be tough. I was in Jamaica one time and these guys were like climbing on this tree. It was like this real, real skinny, tiny tree and they're climbing up on it. I'm like, man, if that tree snaps, you're going to fall and you're going to die. How can you climb up on that little tiny raggedy tree like that? I'm like, I'm I'm scared for them. Know what he said to me? He said, that tree has suffered and survived 20 hurricanes. What can I do to it? Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, how'd you respond? (laughs) Like, listen, (laughs) that tree has survived 20 hurricanes and is still standing there. It has not broken. I can't break it. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. Yeah. I'm like, wow. And I start, I look at nature and I look at people's interactions with it. And is my fear was based on my environment where we don't have hurricanes. Mm. So I didn't see this man climb on a skinny tree. I never realized what the tree has been through. Yeah, very true. He understood what the tree had already been through. So therefore he wasn't scared. I was scared because I had limited knowledge. Mm. 
Mm. All right. Well, what's your what random ass question? But what's your relationship with technology then? Technology works. Technology is a beast. Technology is here. And we're about to live in the Jetson world if we're not already there. Yeah, it's like almost it's like the, the new millennial I got an iPad right here. <laughs> I got two phones. I got another <laughs> iPad right here. You just took your AirPods out before this episode. <laughs> I got like a thousand dollars. Way more. Over. Yeah. Yeah. I can print my printer and I can get up. Just go like boom, print someone on the printer. <laughs> Technology's real. It's yes. an asset to tool. Um, and it's the thing is, if yeah. you properly can can bridge the divide from poor people to rich people, technology is a difference maker. And it's if you use it correctly. Agreed. Because we have way more access to information and wealth than ever before. Because when you grew up in the 80s, you lived where you lived, you knew what you knew, you knew who you knew. You did mm-hmm. not have access to the world economy. I can trade crypto. I can buy stocks. I can buy anything around the planet right now from this seat. Not possible in 1985. Not possible in 1975. Not possible in 95. So right now, you have the ability to pick up this iPad and do miraculous things. Technology can bridge the gap and the divide between the haves and haves nots. Mm-hmm. And it can bring you real information in real time. Not depending on, it used to be in the Caribbean, when somebody would come down to visit or in any other city in Boston, now we got style, somebody go to New York, they buy a cool pair of sneakers, and they would come back and we would all see them. That's how fashion got spread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> somebody would go to New York City, New York was a mecca of fashion. Go to New York, come back with some cool New York stuff. And that's set the trend. Yeah, that's the trend. I, you mentioned something I, I want to mention before I forget. But you said technology is can uh, help the div- division uh, between the haves and haves not. Do you also think it can widen the gap because and go the opposite way? No. What happens is you're not going to catch Elon Musk no matter how much you try. He's just smarter than everybody. He he got a head start. It's like you're racing against head someone head who's racing is fat faster than you. He's just smarter than most people. So the digital divide is not going to help you catch Elon Musk. But for you take the elite people like Elon Musk out of the way. <laughs> they say, let's say, let's say somebody who's rich. My okay. family worth $20 million and they got a kid who grew up in extreme luxury. Yeah. And you got a kid who grew up in the projects. Yeah, you can pass him. Okay. I, yeah. I believe it too. I believe it too. But I also believe... The opposite as well, that technology can make that person, one person become extraordinarily rich if they're already rich, and then the other person become even more extraordinarily poor. Mark Zuckerberg was not extraordinarily rich when he went to college, and he happened to go to Harvard, but I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> so Mark Zuckerberg was not extraordinarily rich when he got into technology. Bill Gates was not extraordinarily rich when he got into technology. So... Yeah. That's what made them. There's nothing preventing anybody else from studying and learning. Mm. So what Bill Gates learned at Harvard and what Paul Allen learned at Harvard and what Mark Zuckerberg at Harvard, what they learned is what they learned and how they applied it. So there was a time where if you didn't go to elite school, you couldn't learn these things. YouTube University is real. Yeah, facts. YouTube University is real. I mean, we couldn't have had this discussion 20 years ago. One, because you probably be in diapers. But the other thing is, we wouldn't have had access to each other. Mm-hmm. 
this platform and technology gives you access to people in real time, information in real time. You can actually study as much as you want. Back when I was a kid, you got some cheap books from a cheap school that was bullshit. Yeah. You're saying some watermelon eating black kids on the front of them, which make you not want to open them. Yeah. Now I can go, I get it's right here, Audible. I ain't yeah. got to read no more. Man, I don't read no more. I just Audible every book. <laughs> yeah, I, I ain't got to read no more. I can just Audible everything. That's I can have some, hey Siri, play new edition. <laughs> Boom, and it's on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Siri. Yeah. <laughs> hey, off the radio. I can make it play um, podcast. It can Dude, be crazy TV. thing is voice automation is the next thing. We talk about the next big thing, voice automation. Everything is going to be automated, man. So, I mean, crazy technology, don't worry about catching up to people. As if the baseline is negative 10 right now, if I get up to a positive 50, and that's a great life, I don't care where the other guy goes. Yeah. If I get so many people who are looking at living at a negative or at the poverty, if poverty line is zero, then people at the poverty line, a lot of people below the poverty line, a lot of people right above it. So if we get all those people up to a 50, then it doesn't matter. I don't care where the people who are at 50 and 100 and 2,000 go. Let's get the people from poverty to a livable space. There will always be rich people in the world, but we can eliminate poverty. Absolutely. Huh? I agree. Um, I want to go ahead and move on to, um, I like to do a, a segment called Hella Misguided segment. Um, and it's pretty much you explaining a summary of a letter you would write to your 18 year old self. And the reason I ask this question to everyone is because we always wish we had a mentor or a coach or a motivational speaker come in and change our life or guide us through um, to a better path. What would you tell yourself? Tell my 18 year old self is go to counseling. Therapy is real. 18-year-old, I was in prison. When I first got to prison, I refused. I skipped over education, and I went for thug life mm-hmm. or, or, or that, that world. If I could go back, I'd have went to school. Dude, you're the first one who said therapy or, or counseling. Oh, that, therapy. That's crazy, man. I think it's so important, especially in the African-American community. We look at it as, you know, a person who goes to therapy is soft or, or oh, whatever. Crazy. Yeah. Is you deem crazy and crazy's deemed bad. Ah, so, there you go. There you go. Crazy's a negative. I'm saying white folks will see crazy as a negative, it sees it as a disorder. We see it as a negative. Yeah. Well, what do you think is right? What is crazy? Crazy. crazy. You care how you look. <laughs> it doesn't care how you call it. It's untreated trauma looks for activation. Hmm. So you have trauma in your life and you don't heal it. It's looking it's back. Gonna, it's looking to release, right? Looking to activate. Yeah. Yep. Damn, man. See another gym, dude. I need to, you can make so many t-shirts. You got a t-shirt company, man. <laughs> my t-shirt company. Yeah. I know. I, I remember on the, uh, the black wealth Renaissance, you said you're terrible at t-shirts, man. Nah, I, I got one now. It just says my program Academy. Okay. Let's I'm, talk. I'm, let's I'm, talk about the, Let's talk about your Academy. Okay. How do I send you the video that you can play it? I don't know how to do all that. I don't, I don't, know, no, if it'll, I don't know if it'll play. Will it play on the podcast? Oh, you know, audio or video? I'm doing audio and video. Well, on a, it'll play on the video. Uh, I got your number? Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, I ain't going to scream your number out online. <laughs> you got the chat. Yeah. Technology. 
text me and um, I'll text you the video. Then you just have to put it on kids play. I got to, I got to share the screen, right? I'm going to send you the video. I don't know how to put it into the um, online. So if you, do you know how to get it from your phone to the computer? Uh, well, you do you have an iPhone? You got an iPhone, so it'll show up on my computer once you text me. Okay. I'm telling you. <clears throat> All right. You, I see you got a book behind there, too. I want to talk about that. <sighs> Ambassador Hope. What, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about that. What made you write that? Um, I wrote a lot. What made me write it? I was in prison. Is a book came out called Monster. It was the life of Monster Cody, LA gang member. Uh -huh. And I read the book, and there were some things in the book that I didn't like, or didn't sit well with me. He was a good dude, but it was just like the life. Then I read another book called Makes Me Want to Holler by Nathan McCall. And that book really hit me hard in the sense of, I didn't like the depict the monster book. I'm not a gang member. I'm not from LA. I was just like, wow, I saw the lifestyle and I'm good at seeing holes and how to fix stuff. Yep. So I'm seeing the errors, not the bad, he's bad. I didn't see errors and I fit, I, I'm a solution specialist. Mm -hmm. So I see the errors and I saw all the errors in his movements. We all make mistakes. Yeah. So when I read, so I was like, I read that book. It was a good read. I liked it. I read Nathan McCall's book, Makes Me Want to Holler, and I did not like it. I did not like the depiction of the prisoners. I'm saying he represents, he didn't, I took him because he was the only book out. So Monster was representing LA gang members. Yeah. It didn't matter if you were, if you was from his set or not, he was the only book out by an LA gang member. So therefore, he represents all gang members in California. Mm. Nathan McCall came out with his book. I took it as he was representing all prisoners because he's speaking to the masses and I didn't feel he represented me. Mm. I don't think me and Nate McCall are anything alike. You know what I'm saying? So how do you differ? I'm, huh? How do you, in what ways do you differ? Why do you, why do you feel so strongly about that? Um, I see myself as a gladiator. You're saying as a workhorse, as we say. So he wasn't from that lane. He, wa he wasn't trying to mix it up. You know mm. saying that's and not everybody should want to land that land. Yeah. The smartest thing to do is probably what he did, go to jail, set it aside, and go home. Not go to jail, catch cases, get shipped around the country, be locked in solitary and suffer trauma. Yeah. As somebody who's still living in that trauma and, and living in that world, I was full-fledged in psycho mode when yeah. I read his book. I'm like, yeah. man, this dude ain't nothing like me. This dude ain't nothing like me, but he's representing me because he's speaking as a prisoner yeah. and not differentiating him from me. And the only way I can do that is to write my book. I mm. literally put his book down, got like three, four yellow pads of paper, legal pad, my book immediately. So he motivated me to write my book, not to challenge him. He's not mentioned in my book. Just to give your, your side to, you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what, what does a prisoner look like? You know what I'm saying? What does a prison look like? Yeah. So if if somebody's from Tuscaloosa, or somebody's from like nowhere, nowhere, Texas. Okay. And the one person that comes on TV from nowhere, Texas, is a racist. 
Mm-hmm. Guess what you think the rest of the town is? A racist. Even though it's just a one person, but for the rest of the town, they say he's yeah. from nowhere, Texas. Yeah. He's a racist. It kind of labels everybody. Yeah, you and wanted to give your uh, yeah, but the world doesn't know that. So if I'm from nowhere, Texas, and Johnny gets up talking about I hate this and I hate that, I'm like, that's not me. That's not this text. They're gonna think we're all like that. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with being a racist, in my opinion. Is you're right. So now, as somebody from nowhere, Texas, I'm gonna write a story about my life and how I, I'm socially conscious or whatever I am. Mm-hmm. So when I read Nathan's book. That's 85% of prisoners. Facts. <laughs> Live that life. Yeah. And there's those of us who go on here and want to do battle. Yeah. So I felt compelled to tell my side as a dude who saw who, who wanted to be a boss, who wanted to go, who looked for that fight, who strapped up and put in work, as we would say. Now I thought that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, that was your that was your first book? That was my that's the only book I wrote. That's the only that's the only book. I wrote it in jail, most of it. I came home, I got 450 pages manuscript. Jesus, and what is it right now though? That that, that didn't look like 450. Nah, it's about 100 something. Then what happened is 189. Oh, okay. So I come home and for 20 years, I don't write my book. I put it on the shelf, I'm doing everything but write a book. I'm making money, I'm traveling around the world, I'm having fun, I ain't thinking about that book. Yeah. <laughs> And finally, people started saying, Dre, where's your book? There's a company out of Austin, Texas called Scribe. There's a guy named Tucker Max that owns the company. And they ghostwrite people's books. I didn't physically write this book. So I went to Tucker, and Tucker agreed to do my book. I mean, New York Times bestseller, one of the smartest guys you're ever going to meet. And they agreed to do my book. And they have a system to write books. So I say, hey, Tuck, here's my manuscript. This is going to be the easiest book you ever wrote in your life. Just type that up. Just, put it type, yeah. good. Just add some commas and shit in there. <laughs> and you good. Exactly. We good. Yeah. He said to me, he said, Drake, how many best-selling books have you written? I said, none. How many do you think I've written? He said, I said, four or five. He said, then why do you want your book written by a non-bestseller? You got a bestseller sitting right here in front of you, but you want your book Produced by a non-bestseller. That's mm. ego and pride. He said, let me do what I do. And we'll go from there. So I uh, took my 450-page manuscript and I gave it to him and I went home. And they did my book. Did you use any of it? Ask me how many pages they used out of the 450 to get this. I'm going to say zero or like four. Zero. No, stay right there. <laughs> yeah, stay right there. I, listen, I love the book. <laughs> does it does it depict you well obviously because you agreed to fucking releasing it but that that's cra- yeah, how did, did he have to interview you or something how you know it, what i mean it, 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 the process the process is phenomenal i recommend anybody who wants to do a book go to tucker max subscribe they'll knock it down it'll be the easiest thing you've ever done expensive yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's a relative term so i get paid like 10,000 a speech. So if this book gets me four speeches, uh, I made a profit. Yep. Yep. Okay. Oh, hey, I love that. And the, not only do they write the book, Scribe helps you with the marketing and the concept. And oh, shit. Oh, sh- oh, wow. Oh, A to Z. I'm going to look at, uh, what, what is that shit? What is it? Scribe. Scribe. Tucker Max. So they, they do the book, 
But before they write one page, they do all the analytics and the marketing and advertising. Where do you want to go? What do you want return? What's your all? They break it. This book is not just words. This is a scientific project. It's a science project. Yeah. And Chuck is a mad scientist. Well, speaking speaking about speaking and kind of telling your story and stuff and doing motivational uh, speeches, ten thousand man, that's that's amazing. Um, to just share your story. Um, no, no, I right, no, I'm not sharing my story. What I'm what you pay me ten thousand for is to transform your situation. Mm. Mm. So I'll do I use my story as a as a baseline. But people don't bring me in just to tell my story. No, yeah, they, well, it's they it's want you to transform their scenario using your story. Perfect. Well, 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 I was gonna go into let's do some role play then, man. Let's do let's do. Uh, I, I'm I'm a young individual who's who's misguided. Um, I don't. I'm headed down the wrong path. You could see it. What would you be telling me? And and I, I I'll respond if you have I'm, some questions. I'm gonna tell you. Listen, bro. Your father probably doesn't love you. Your mother's probably doesn't love you. Whoever you think doesn't love you, doesn't love you. You have two choices. You can ruin your life and go to jail and they still won't love you. Or you can get this education, go have a great life and they still won't love you. It's your choice. Ruining your life doesn't make them better or worse. It only makes you better or worse. So I'm not saying don't be mad. I'm not saying you need to forgive. I'm saying you don't need to sit in a prison cell to prove it. And when you get to that prison cell, the one thing you're going to notice, all the people who disappointed and let you down are not in the cell. They're out living their lives. So yeah. you will sit in the cell, but the people who did you wrong will be out living. But I'm hard-headed so, and, and I'm not listening. And I think that I, I, what I'm doing at the moment is, is what's normal. So right? it's like, okay, what you're doing is normal. It works for you. It works. You know what, I'm saying? what you're doing, smoking weed, hanging out, chasing chicks. I get it. I'm not mad at you. You can do that in the hood, or you can do that on a greater scale. I'm saying, yeah, listen, mansion. <laughs> like I said, where you from, huh? I'm, I'm cool. I'm there. <laughs> cool. So I'm, I, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> nothing wrong with what you're doing. Let's just take it to the next level. You want to be basic all your life. If you're cool with basics, we really can't talk because I don't do basic. Mm. So if you're a basic dude and you're talking to the wrong guy, because I'm about excelling and doing better. Where does I'm one where can one start? Where do, where does one start? Do you tell them pick up a book? What do you uh, what do you do? First thing I tell most people is, hey, counseling is important. I usually find some way to weave some kind of counseling or therapy in. Are you but, do you kind of can, can uh, counsel a little bit? Like I do therapy. I okay. Do yeah, but um, what I would start if I got a fifteen kids, like listen, let's start with what do you want out of life. What if they don't know though? That's what that's the problem. And, a lot of kids don't. No, you don't know. Then what do you like? Do you like nice things? Do you like nice places? Do you like gardening? Do, I mean, what do you like? Technology? You like something. You know what I'm saying? Let's find a way to get I like there. girls, I like smoking. Okay, but, cool. Then let's get you to a place you get all the girls on the smoke that you can stand. Nobody got more ass than Prince. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Prince had the baddest chicks on the planet. All <laughs> none to this day. Uh-huh. So let's get you into that space. If that's what you want, girls and smoke, let's get you where they got girls and smoke. Now, what do we got to do to get you in the best scenario where you can stay free and keep having the girls and smoke? Mm, and not and not and not get in trouble. No, no, trouble's not even a conversation. I take the thing that you want to do and I say, let's go with it. So if you're hooked on video games, let's go with it. If you're hooked on smoking girls, let's go with it. 
as long as what you're hooked on isn't an addiction that's hurting you. It might not be the best for you. What if smoking is an addiction and it is hurting me because I smoke, I'm lazy, I don't want to do shit, my thoughts are faded. Right, but I, I'm not going to get you to quit smoking in the, in the short term. No. You quit smoking because you find a greater purpose. So I got to get you to the greater purpose. To that greater purpose. I'm not even touching the weed. Yeah. Man, like, go buy you some good shit, man. Leave that bum stuff alone. <laughs> yeah. Go to Canada. Get you a little medicinal license to handle your business. Yeah. You might want to move to Colorado, I tell them. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to move to Colorado, get your municipal license. Hey, New York just legalized it. But New York's New York. Nobody wants to live in New York. And yeah, yeah. New York's too many people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's why I never wanted to uh to live there. I got yeah, my family's from New York. There's tons of places that are, that they have licenses, but I'd recommend Colorado. Go sit up there. You hey, let's go to Colorado, get you a nice job of fifty thousand dollars. You can smoke until you're blue in the face. And do nothing with your life, right? Oh, no, no. You're not sinking. Not sinking is an important thing. So if you go get a regular job and you're smoking weed, now at least you're in the game. You're doing something semi-productive. Uh-huh. You're treading water. Uh-huh. Treading water is a lot better than sinking. Mm. Let me teach you how to tread water. You're not going to start out as an Olympic swimmer. Is it, though? Because how long can you tread water? You can't tread water forever. Ready. But if you, you can't tread water, you sink a lot faster. The first thing they taught us in swimming was how to tread water. But then in our previous conversation earlier in the episode, the best way to know how to get yourself out of a hole is to get your ass in the hole, right? So wouldn't you want to know how to sink first? Wouldn't you want to know how to sink earlier in life? That way you can know how to get out of it? No, no, see, if I get you a job in Colorado and you smoke weed after school, after work, at least I got a chance. You're you're out of a negative environment. You're out of the possibility of going to jail or dying in the street. Okay. So I got to a place where I can now at least have access to you. Now, if I got to drip the positivity to you, I got to wait for that girl to come around the corner and light your eyes up and make you want to change. At least I got to get you someplace safe. Safety mm. step one. Mm. So, yeah. Colorado job, smoke weed every day is safe. It's not ideal, but it's safe. No. So I look for safe first, and then I start building towards the ideal. I think, it, yeah, it's a, it's about environment. We talked about it earlier in the episode as well, but environment, um, putting yourself in the right environment. And with the, how important do you think, uh, I guess, your friends or the people you surround yourself with are in your growth? I have friends in my life that are criminals to Still? this day. To this day. 100% criminals. And I'm okay with that. I don't have to do what they do. Well, now you know that, though. But when you were a criminal yourself, could you see yourself getting out with just being surrounded by criminals? To get out. But that's so, what I'm saying, though. You weren't, you didn't see it until, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. So, like, how if someone is not trying to get out and they're comfortable with what they're doing at the moment and they're hanging around the people. And they're going, if they like it and they think it's cool, they're going to jail, they're going to die, they're going to tell on somebody. That's it. That's it. There's no okay. to what you're doing is cool. You think it's working? Bro, go work it. When people tell me, yo, Dre, if I don't get this job, why don't I make this money? I'm going to go flip this brick or do the stick up. And man, this being good shit is hard. I'm like, well, go do the stick up. Just being good shit. Go sell your bricks and come back and see me when you're done. Yeah. When that is no longer an option, then we can talk. Yeah. As long as it's an option to you, then I tell you, go exercise. Get out, get it out your system. Yeah. For me selling drugs is not an option. For me, picking up a gun is not an option. 
for me, hurting somebody is not an option. So until it's no longer an option for you, you're always going to lean on it. Yeah. And you can't play that to me. So go do it and call me when you're done. I got some overhead is ready. You're not ready. I ain't mad at you. I see when you are ready. Mm-hmm. Nah, I feel it. Man, I just, I'm just trying. I'm trying to pick your brain, man. I'm trying to see how you know how 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 you would guide someone through through certain situations because each situation is obviously different. But I think it's super uh, counseling, man. A lot of people don't mention that, and I think I'm super happy you did. Um, I had a guy called me today. I saw him right before I got on you. He made six hundred fifty thousand. He's trying to make five million, and he can't figure out why he can't make it. I told him it's you. I said, well. This is that, the question. That was the guy you were on the phone with just before when we hopped on? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> this is a question I asked him. How many $2 million contracts did you get last year? I asked you the same question. How many $2 million contracts did you get last year? Zero. How many did you try to get last year? Zero. And he, said, he, he said the same thing? He did. What, what does he do? Contracts for what? He does relationship counseling and therapy, online services. And he so makes I, that much with that shit? Shit. He makes six fifty two. So I said, how many did you get? And then the third question is, do you think anybody got a $2 million contract in that space? I don't the, think so. I don't think huh? I don't think so, but maybe. In the, I could country, be- in the country of America, do you think anybody made $2 million last year doing therapy counseling? I don't think so. Dr. Phil gets paid that a show. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I saw him as like an outlier, but I thought, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I, you see, you created a differential. You created spaces and places and created boxes. I said, anybody in the country, you created categories for no reason. That's I what did. I did. I did. Damn. It don't exist. You create barriers in your own mind. It don't exist. And you start segmenting stuff for no reason. The question was, did anybody in the country make $2 million last year doing, doing counseling? And you know what I did? I automatically just started like separating and categorizing. So like, all right, the, the famous people, you know, I just put them in a category that's like unreachable. And then I went to the next category and tried to see if that category made $2 million. And so- You put all that on your own and the question was simple. Yeah, did that's why. anybody in the country make this number? So A, you never, you didn't, you didn't ask for $2 million. B, you ain't even trying to make two million. C, there's people out there getting it. So who's the problem? Mm. You are. Mm. Why do you not to segment, not to try to create boxes, not to isolate yourself, and at least try? You didn't even try. Didn't do any research, but you complain about not having a two million dollar contract. You didn't try to get one, and you don't even know you didn't even think about one. But you want one. Yeah. And the world is so unfair because you didn't get one. No, you created this scenario and you ain't even tried. I got mine, not because I'm special. I tried. They're going to say one of two things. Guess what they say? One of the two are yes or no. That's it. Yeah. Yes or no. Actual contract in January. It was three years, $8.1 million. They told me no. Oh, well. Go to the next, next one. I was in the meeting last week. It was four years, six million dollars. It looks like a yes. <laughs> yeah, just keep, keep trying. What gives you? What gives you that motivation though? Like, like a lot of people, a lot of people will see that no as like, oh, all right, well, I'm not worth that much. Now I got to knock my number down. Or that's the thing. I'm not worth that much. 
it's it's not about you. It's what are you worth to them? It's, I'm not doing the work for me. The work that I'm going to do for that $6 million is not for Andre. I'm doing it for them. Mm. That agency needs help. I'm going to help that agency and they're going to benefit and it's worth that amount of money to them. That's wild. That's wild. You got me thinking, man. You got me. I mean, how much is the information worth to them? So we get on the phone, you want to do something. And I tell you right now, I walk you through the entire process and tell you everything and why your idea won't work. And I show you how to make it work. Other than saving you money, I just saved you a whole year of wasting time. Just by a conversation. By breaking down your problem, coming up with the right solutions and showing you why the problem, the way you have it constructed won't work. I had a guy the other day, I saved him eight months. He had this perfect idea on how to make a million dollars. I showed him how every way it wasn't gonna work, how to tear it down, how to rebuild it, how to position it. I said, what did I do for you? He said, you just showed me how to make $2 million. I said, no, I just saved you a year of your life. Yeah. You just spent the next year of your life trying to do something that wasn't gonna work. What is that worth? Time is the most important thing. So, so yeah. I don't want to just give you the great idea. I'm gonna save you three, six, seven, eight months, maybe two years of your time building something out that won't work. Do you only Before work do you you only work with big timers or like do you like help small businesses or no, I work with um Fortune Five Hundreds. Um so I <laughs> foods, British Petroleum, all multi-billion dollar joints. Um I help people. I, the guy that called me today, he's six fifty. I got a guy called me last week, he has a podcast. He probably makes like a hundred grand a year. So the the smaller you are, the easier it is. Yeah. That's moving parts. True. So I'm talking like 10 grand train people over six months. That's not bad. That, that, that's a good investment for them, for the people coming oh, to you. Imagine if we got on the phone and we just did this around your business. Yeah. I, well, I already learned a lot. So I probably, yeah, I would, you would save me months. I think you already saved me like three months right now just by the podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, even with um, the Renaissance Brothers, I mean, I'm sure someplace in there, they got some ideas and some concepts. That oh save- my God, yeah. I talked to him about it. I, we talked about you on my last podcast of how like inf- informative that fucking episode was and how much they learned and how off guard they were when you asked them questions because they couldn't answer, okay, if you were to sit in this room, what would you say? Right. So people, they want to be people, not that they're good guys. No, no, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. People want to be famous. People want to be rich. People want to be this. Then you said to ask him about it. How many $2 million contracts did you go for last year? None. No, you want to be rich. You don't want to be rich. But how do, all right, well, how how the fuck does someone like me go for a $2 million contract? Make up his mind that you want to go for it. You you married, right? Yeah, uh, engaged. Engaged? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So least, I mean, you about to kill me on here. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> There's some people with some ugly wives. Yeah. <laughs> but to them, eyes, beauty's an eye to behold. Yeah. And when you saw her the first time, did you think she'd marry you? Uh, honestly, I, I, marriage wasn't on my mind. So, I, so the answer is no. Yeah. Where you at now? That's true. Uh, with a kid. So, <laughs> so when you saw her you was like oh man she's cute i gotta get her number or ig or whatever the thing is that was your first thought you couldn't see six months out you couldn't see a year out you couldn't see two years out 
Not because you couldn't, because you chose not to. Yeah. He attracted you, and you didn't do the time to say, no, if you could go back to the beginning and say, well, I'm going to marry this. Now you know that you're going to marry her. Would you do it differently? You still get married. You still got the kids, whatever else. If you could go back to day one and marriage was going to be imminent and you knew that this was the woman you was going to marry, would you do things differently? Yeah, I probably would have been a little bit more short answer is if I could take you back to day one and you knew you wouldn't get the number and you knew you won't end up married with kids, you would have done the entire six months or year front different. Uh-huh. Yeah, true. Yeah. You would have invested differently, you would have came at her differently, you would have prepared yourself differently, you would have had a whole different plan. So you came in not being hundred percent focused. Now you got focused later. Imagine if I can take you back to day one and say, bro, you're going to marry this girl. You need to approach this differently. Mm. You two would have been so much further along in your relationship and your finances and everything. Had the day y'all met on that sidewalk, wherever you were, said, we're going to get married two years from now. Let's build this out. So it all, comes, it all comes down to approach, how you approach the situation every Attitude. time. Okay, let, let's get into approaching then. How do you approach fixing uh, f- financial, the lack of financial literacy in education? Well, my, my lane, see, this is the thing goes down the lanes. My lane is prison reform. My so. lane is not how people get into prison, which is horrible and it's unjust. My lane is not so much what they do with people when they come out of prison, which is horrible and unfair. It's life behind the bars. Mm-hmm. How do we improve that end of it? Not how you got here, what's going to happen when you leave, but behind these walls, I don't want to see you murdered. I don't want to see you tortured. I don't want to see you traumatized. I don't want to see you raped. So how do I make this part safe? How do you, so, so then, okay, how do you, how do, how do you do that? How do you get, into the minds of the people that are in prison and, and, and sit them down and, and let them know, like, I want you to avoid these. Like, how... You got the video? It's a great time to play it. I do. Well, I'm going to play it at the end because it's six minutes. You, I, don't want, I don't know how to play videos on here. Like, I don't want to mess shit up. And you hit, you go to share screen on the, on the bar. I'm going to help you out. I got a 22-year-old niece. She taught me this shit. <laughs> all right. All right. I, I got it. But I, well, they played the... There you go. Boom. Oh, oh man. I thought we just exited the episode. I was about to be hella mad. All right. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Now hit the um, little, little stop. Dude, you got it. <laughs> and turn the sound on. You got to turn the sound on. It's not on. It's not on. No sound. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't, so how do I turn the sound on? Come on, man. You're supposed to be the, the IT guy over here. Maybe it's on your de- on, um, on your keypad. Nah, because I can hear you, so it's definitely on. I can hear it in my headphones. Maybe that's why, because it's in your headphones. Yeah, but then... You have to unplug your headphones while it's playing. All right. I'll try that, hopefully. All right. Let me know if you can hear I can't hear shit. I definitely can't hear you. Give me a minute. Hold on. 
right, let's see, let's see. I don't know how to. Uh... All right, I think I found it. Hold on. Hold on, I can't hear you. I'm about to change it. I have to change the. Uh... All right, can you hear me? Well, I don't know why I can't hear you. Hold on. Play. Hold on. What'd you say? Oh, you said play it. Let's play. Unplug it, then press. You did oh, everything. I... All right, then. Then don't don't talk then, cause I can't hear you. Seriously <laughs> injured, the deadliest prison riot in the United States. So after the lead riots, which took place on this yard, we lost lives, and we never want to lose lives of anybody. We were looking for something different. And when I met Andre, I said, you know, I believe in these men. I believe that they can change. I believe if we give them hope, if we give them a future, that they can change the prison culture. SCDC confirms that shocking new video obtained by WIS shows an inmate at the Lee Correctional Institution attacking a guard with a makeshift weapon. But as the attack continues, you see another inmate step in and intervene, saving the lieutenant's life. According to SCDC, both the guard and the inmate who intervened were stabbed multiple times, but are expected to be okay. And because of that, Director Brian Sterling says he believes the Academy of Hope program has served its purpose in a big way. Can't think of a bigger deal than saving someone's life. I mean, literally, this is a different conversation if it's not for the Academy of Hope and not for that offender. Academy of Hope is a one of a kind program. No place on the planet doesn't exist because no place on the planet did they think we could exist. But now that we're here, we're going to take this movement, we're going to embed it in people's heart and let them know our biggest gift to the prison system is twofold. We show inmates the possibility of holding on to the drink. And we teach the staff the reality of their wrongness by thinking we can't ever become something great. What Andre is trying to do with Academy of Hope is trying to get them to transition from the inside to the outside so they can become productive citizens. Uh, what he's learned in and out of prison and being able to share that through the Academy of Hope and that platform uh, gives him an opportunity to really make a difference in other people's lives based on his own personal uh, experience. Uh, and so to me, that's authentic. That's real. And he is real. Academy of Hope wants both sides of the table and say, how can we make this work? The solution is with us. There's nobody out in society. There's no PhD. There's no doctor. There's no police officer. This is a corrections problem. COs and inmates, we can fix this. Nobody understands prison like we do. They think they know they read a book or saw a movie. Until you've been back here behind this wall for 24 hours, seven days, you don't get this. It's a whole nother world. So Drake calls me um, one day and he says, listen, we're gonna do this thing in South Carolina prison system. So I was like, what is it? We're gonna take the most violent offenders in South Carolina. We're gonna take gang leaders. We're gonna take top influencers and we're gonna put them all in one block. We're gonna get a dorm to ourselves, and we're gonna go in and we're gonna change the whole situation. And in that space, what the world said was the most dangerous and unruly individuals. I've saw some of the best brotherhood and family 
and love and compassionate, caring and intellectual individuals in the world. They took out the violence. And what I mean by they took out the violence, there was no knives. So I never been on the yard where you didn't have a knife. I never been on the yard where you come outside with your uh, shower shoes on. You gotta have on your boots because you never know what can happen at any minute. They took out the violence, they replaced it with education. My environment is what I make it now. I'm around positive people. Let me plug back in. Culture. A lot of people don't know culture. All right. Yes, sir. You can hear me? I can hear you fine. Perfect. All right. All right, man. Look at you. I like this video. Looking good over there with the shave on. I see. <laughs> when was this? That was last year. Last year? Nice. Oh, damn. Crazy, man. It's crazy. Um, you want to talk about a, a, a little bit about it and kind of explain? As the video said, there was a riot in South Carolina. Seven men were murdered, 30 were wounded. They locked the entire prison system down because they feared retaliation. Nobody was arrested. Nobody was locked down. They were just locked the system in. Mm -hmm. 19,000 people in their cell, 24 hours a day. They came and got me, got one of the homies, and we went to the prison in South Carolina. We went inside. And like, yo, Dre, these people ain't going to listen. They're too violent. There's too much energy, too much blood spilled. I was like, yo, open the doors. They're like, we can't open all the doors. They <laughs> riot. Yeah. This is where you differentiate between people who talk that they were prison bosses and that they were this and they were that in reality. Uh -huh. I walk in maximum security prisons and I open doors. And I can speak to these people because they're family to me. You see, mm -hmm. I live that life, I live their life, and I understand their pain. I understand what they're trying to get to. So they open the doors and we had conversations around living better, doing better, and being better. I went through, we went through six prisons, 10 days, 10, 10 prisons, six days, 8,000 prisoners, not one fight. Everybody was respectful. Everybody wants to do better. They just don't, they just don't know how. So we brought the how to. Yeah. Ah, man, I love that. Oh, I love that. That's a title. That might be a title. I love that. Um, so then they asked us to come back and run a program. And so we got all the leaders together. We started doing leadership development with the leaders, teaching them policies and strategies that they didn't have access to, yeah. information that they didn't have access to. And then lo and behold, man saved a man's life because he was taught better. That's crazy. And now we go to prisons around, we have one, two, we have like, by the end of next month, we have four prison programs in different states. See, that's crazy. That's all you need is some guidance. Yeah. And Structure systems, understand Absolutely. That feel that understands you. Absolutely. They don't have to look like you, but they have to be trustworthy and dependable. Very true. You see, I'm trying, I want to, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do pretty much the same thing with entrepreneurship and high school students. So I want to go to different high schools and do like an entrepreneurship program and teach them, you know, how to, how to get into business and just, and stuff that the fucking schools are not teaching. And so, well, okay. so you want to teach entrepreneurship to young poor kids. So yeah. make that your point. I want to teach entrepreneurship to young poor kids. Stop connecting it to schools. That's a whole nother scenario. What you want is to teach entrepreneurship to young poor kids. Stop interjecting what the schools aren't doing. Mm. I never looked at it like that. That's not your problem. 
Your problem or your scenario is teaching entrepreneurship to young black kids or young poor kids. Your your issue is not fixing the school system. It's just creating a whole another one. It's creating a different <laughs> narrative for mm-hmm. these particular kids. So math, science, English, and history is not bad. You're saying the lack of is bad. Mm, yeah. So by the way you phrase it, you put yourself at odds with the school system for starters. You put yourself in a situation where you're competing with the school system. And then it's just all, not so much, it's the energy's coming from the wrong it, space. And uh, then to help you, I ha- feel like they need to attack the school system. Mm. Instead of putting 100% of your energy is, now you might need to partner with the school system versus attack them. I need to create a scenario where I can teach these kids this thing. Facts. And Facts. then if you had to, get a pencil and paper out. I, I got one. I've been taking notes. I got one. Who do you want to help, boys or girls? Both. Who do you want to help, boys or girls? Both. Not hearing the question. You can't make your answer. You can't change my question. Answer the question. Don't change my question. Boys. Black or white or Spanish? Black. And black. Are you writing? Uh, no, because <laughs> I, now I am. Boys or girls? Boys. Black or white or Spanish? Black. Ele- I mean, elementary, middle school, high school? High school. Huh? High school. The honor roll kids, the average kids, or the kids who are failing? Fail. Court involved, not court involved? You say court involved? Yeah. Not court involved. Single parents or two homes? Two parents. Single. Now, read back to your list of who you serve. Yeah, hold on, let me. Um, boys, black in high school who are failing, um, not involved in the court system, and who have single parents. Real descriptive. You can find that person. Now, does Easy. that mean you yeah. can't work with a white girl from the suburbs? No. Does that mean you can't work with a Latino boy from the, from the country? No, but it just makes my targeting easier to find. And when you come to me for help, guess what I can do? You, yeah. Yeah. And if you get that down and you crush that, and you're like the best at that, and I'm like, hey, I got this other demographic. You think you can work with them? Of course I can. That's crazy. I just learned. So, dude, you just saved me another fucking two months. <laughs> Blocks and these segments in your head, and you won't let it lie to yourself to get out of your own way. Mm. Like if I say black or white, I'm denying kids. If I say boys or girls, I'm denying. You got all this made up shit in your head that doesn't exist in real terms. (laughs) I did, I did do that, I did. That's crazy. Nothing on that paper prevents you from working with a Spanish girl. Nothing on that paper prevents you from working with a kid in middle school. Mm -hmm. Nothing on that paper prevents you from teaching a teacher how to teach your class, nothing. Mm -hmm. So, but what happens is you think ahead in the areas of negativity, but you won't think ahead in the areas of positivity and possibility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Man, man, I learned a lot. I appreciate this, man. This has been a great episode. Um, we're going to wrap it up soon. Uh, man, Jesus. I, I got to write some more stuff. I, I just thought of some. some okay.
some so plan of actions. I do business with, they're, they think and block themselves. So I have to teach people how not to block themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, forget the band down the street you're competing against. Forget the company that's trying to take your contract. You're in your own way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. under no threat, no pressure, people just refuse to expand their minds. They, no, I got to stay in this box. Yeah. I got to stay in this box because I feel comfortable in this box. You told me I should be in this box. So you, what you're asking me to do, Dre, is think beyond my box. Boys or girls, now that's outside of my box. Yeah. In my narrative wasn't in my business plan. Well, your business plan doesn't get you $2 million. Mine's does. Facts. Facts. I got to reach. Uh, yep. I got to narrow, narrow what I want. And, and, and like you said, open the box, get out of the box that I'm, I'm putting myself in. Um, cool. Well, the way I like to wrap up the episode is with a segment called guided conclusions. Um, and it's where I ask a, a, a question. It could be funny, serious, something just to lighten, lighten up the thing, the, the episode. But uh, in the beginning of the episode, you mentioned something that kind of stuck with me throughout the whole thing. You mentioned that you were living your life with the philosophy of three three different things. Um, and, and then you went on to mention you kind of changed your, your, your perspective and you said, well, now I ask myself, is, is, it gonna, is it legal or is it gonna get me caught up? And that's how I choose if I'm gonna do it or not. Um, I want you to list another three things besides that, that after um, that, that you kind of live your life by now and, and you don't use your hands, obviously. My old thinking was, it was okay to hit people. Uh-huh. My new thinking is I need to protect people from Ooh. being, my old okay. thinking would be I need to protect myself. Yeah. My new thinking is I need to protect spaces and create safe places for people to be. Third thing is quitting is okay. Now quitting is not an option. Damn. See, that's what I wanted right there. That's what I wanted. A great way to just like, I could hear the music just going. Like, <laughs> nah, I appreciate you, man. Uh, it was it was a pleasure. And I, I, I thank you for taking your Saturday afternoon uh, to come up on a podcast that you didn't even know about before. So appreciate you, man. And um, go ahead and, and leave your social media and where people can reach you. Well, my social media is, my Instagram is at Andre Norman. My website is AndreNorman.com. My Facebook is Andre Norman. My Twitter is Andre Norman. My Snapchat, I think, is something Andre Norman. I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't it. used Snapchat in so long. That's crazy. I did, a, I did like a thing with like 600 kids from high school one time. Yeah. And for them, I created a Snapchat channel right then and there, and I did the first Snapchat with them. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> nice. I just followed you right now. Cool, cool. Um, all right. I appreciate it, man. Great episode. Um, I'm, I, I'm probably going to double post this. That's how great it, it was. We're going to get you. I don't know what happened to the sound. I think you turned the sound off. What city are you in? Oh, there you uh, I'm in the Bay. I'm from the Bay Area, man. Oakland? Uh, I'm from Berkeley, but I live in Benicia right now. Like Vallejo, you know, where, where E-40 from? <laughs> E40, but I know Vallejo. You know E40. Why? You, nah, you know E40. I've never listened to one E40 song in my life. That's you from Boston? I'm from I've never listened to one E40. If you, I don't know his greatest hit. Never listened to one E40 E40 song in my life. Nothing against it, brother. No, that is just wild. I actually never heard it. Wow. 
from the from your from there. No, no. I mean, I, nah, nah, not really. It's no, no. He's way bigger than the Bay Area. That's why it's just it blows my mind. What, have you heard? Have you heard of fucking like the Migos or something? Like I've heard of Migos. I can tell you songs theirs, but they're from there. No, but how the fuck? Like them though over E forty one. All right, that's another topic, man. We got <laughs> now. Well, this is the thing. Go back to when he came out. I spent from nineteen eighty five to he came to- out when you were in jail. I was in jail. Yeah. I, I was in prison. Yeah. When I came home, I'm East Coast and there's no internet playlist yet. So he's out west. So how they don't play him in Boston like that. Yeah. No, you're right. Okay. All Who's, right. My, my bad, man. <laughs> Texas, they chased him down the highway and shot him. Who? The rapper in Texas that got shot. Oh, uh, chased down the highway. He, he was driving, and they chased him on the highway, and they shot him down. I don't Robert, know. I don't know. I never listened to King Von. Oh, thing. that wasn't. Oh, yeah. I never listened to him until he died. Exactly. Yeah. So I listened to King Von after he died. I listened to the guy in Texas after he died. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's crazy. All right, well. Oh. That's <laughs> what that national news, like, bang. Yeah. People start talking about you after you're dead. Technology. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Um, I got a question for you before we go. Yeah. You ready? Yeah, yeah. Write it down. On your tombstone, what is it going to say? You get to pick it. I get to pick it. Uh, Influential. What does that mean? So on your tombstone in the graveyard, it's gonna say your name. It's gonna say, it's gonna say the year you were born and the year you died with a dash. It's gonna say influential. Jawan Rohan was a proud father and influential leader. That sounds really, really basic, don't it? Yeah, but you also, yeah, yeah. I guess okay. I got that's shit. I got to think about. Mine's is gonna say Harvard Fellow. Mine's is going to say honorable son because it was like three years ago I went to my mom. I told her I'm going to pay for all my brothers and sisters after she's gone and they'll never be homeless or hungry. I went to my father's hometown of Petersburg, Virginia and lifted the whole city up in his name and did like yeoman's work down there and still doing work down there. So it's going to say Harvard fellow, honorable son, and I'm working on my third chisel now. All right, Most so- they're in the hospice before they start thinking about it. The same thing I said about the wife to be, if you could go back to square one, would you do it differently? Most people live their lives the same way you're getting married is you spend the first two years not being focused. And it kind of happens mm. instead of being intact. You live your whole life and then say, well, what's going on my tombstone? And it's too late. Yeah. Here from hospice, nothing. All right, well, next time we talk, I'm going to have a really good fucking tombstone for you. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be blown away. Have it, then live for it. Facts. Facts. If it's not worth going on your tombstone, it ain't worth doing. Facts. Well, hey, appreciate you. Great question, man. Great, great way to end. Um, 
You heard it here. This is the Misguided Podcast. We intend to guide you to a better future. My name is Juwan. I'm sitting here with Andre Norman, and my brain is exploded right now. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Something that I gotta prove I change lives one step at a time Who are you? Don't mind my pride I gotta get it at all costs Can't spare a dime Hungry for a meal ticket Ramadan I'm, I'm real with it Focused on the music I'll release even if I'm the only one to listen to it Watch me shake this world up Vortex I just wanna be somebody nobody forgets I'm more pride than I got time Off my chest and out my mind you get yours while I get mine But everything's so undefined yeah, yeah. I know you feel alone Just know you're not alone I know you feel alone Just know you're not alone Why do I feel most alive when I write? Is it my pride that won't let me die? Before I fill up in the arena outside where all the fans could see the stars align Just to remind them that the future is bright You don't need to be near death just to see the light The road is long through the tunnel I pray you fight, we gon' put the pieces together Puzzle, love it and I hate it Am I faded at the same time? I'm jaded but with a sober mind Reflecting on my past decisions like how did I get to where stitches cut deeper than the incision? I'm tripping, hold on, I think I got a gas break and dip it Won't catch me slipping, can't play second MJ to your pippin I'm from the bay, where we act a little different I'm just trying to make a difference I got more pride than I got time Off my chest and out my mind You get yours while I get mine But everything's so undefined, I know 